This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the southernmost point of door, there's no dragons there. To the lands of always winter, uh, they're trying to get dragons there. To what is west of Westeros, I hope there's a dragon out there. And what is uh, the shadows in the east? There's probably, that's where actually people think where a lot of the dragons came from. Hey everybody, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Napsuck. We are here to talk about the House of the Dragon trailer. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? I am excited and I know who's excited to be here with me. You know him. You love them. You might secretly loathe them because if you're a Star Wars podcaster, but I love them to death. It's Alden Diaz. Alden, how are you doing? I'm great, and I'm here with an announcement. I have chosen a new heir, and it's you, Ken. Thank you're going to be my heir. Let's fight. Let's fight. And the way Game of Thrones is our song of ice and fire, that world works, you could probably choose an heir that's older than you. The timelines are all messed up in those families, right? Yeah, I mean, it feels entirely... That's something that I'm sure we'll talk about in great depth. The air choosing process just seems like... You can play by the rules, but really, you kind of also write the rules. So you yeah. don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Uh, we weren't planning to do this today. I am packing up to head on down to Comic-Con at the time of this recording. Uh, air, uh, airing the episode shortly after. And there's going to be probably more Game of Thrones. Uh, I keep saying Game of Thrones. We'll get to that. House of the Dragon. But I just, it's Game of Thrones, Alden. Would you not agree? It's kind of a generic term at this point. It is. And, and partially because of them, I think, where yeah. the show is... When it's submitted to the Emmys, and it will be, uh, it's going to be House of the Dragon. But you'll note that at the end of the trailer, it says Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, Game which is kind of kind of learning the lesson people thought that, you know, Book of Boba Fett would do over on the Star Wars side. Hey, which is a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. yeah and so long story short, we were, uh, you know, uh, and I, Alden and I have been texting. I said, hey, next week we'll probably do a Comic-Con wrap up. There's that great Hollywood Reporter two-part two -part article out by James Hibbert, who I just really love and, and I love his coverage of, of Game of Thrones. I don't know him personally, so maybe I don't love him, but I love his coverage of Game of Thrones. I love his book, uh, Fire <laughs> Cannot Kill a Dragon. And then uh, all of a sudden, like, uh, I, we got a, it looked like a trailer might drop, Alden, and this is, uh, this is the pop culture geek covering uh, lifestyle. Suddenly, you got a trailer to talk about, and your day is uh, changed, and the schedule is uh, something different, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I when I woke up today, a friend was messaging a chat that I was in who's in San Diego working the event, mm. and they're setting up the pop-up that kind of looks like a little castle yeah. or keep or whatever. And I thought to myself, oh, well, if the pop-up isn't done being set up yet, they'll probably just, you know, drop it at the panel or something. So I did not expect this trailer at all. Until, well, apparently somebody did figure it out. Yeah. There are Twitter sleuths that 
can find out when the little hashtag images are going to change, whether it's going to wow. still be that little red dragon or when it's going to be a little, a little throne. And somebody picked today's date and was like, the hashtag image is changing that day. Probably going to be a trailer. Wow. So now, now we know. That is some, that is some spider um, strategy. That's, that's, uh, that's Varys working his magic right there. I love that. I love nope. that. So now, and now another worry for the fine folks who manage social media and marketing. Another thing to worry about. They're hacking into our <laughs> hashtags changing. Nope. Can't even put a nice little a little Iron Throne, 8-bit Iron Throne without somebody <laughs> getting all up in your business. Oh, that Iron Throne. Here's the deal. We're going to talk about the official trailer, which would make me think this is the last big piece of marketing we're getting other than maybe more articles, pictures, pop-up events. But this is the trailer, and the thing will be uh, carrying uh, to the show on August 21st, uh, which we cannot wait to cover around these parts. We're going to give our overall thoughts, talk about some of our favorite moments, and more importantly, we are going to talk about about themes. Now, some people might have been, uh, you might be Cashly Talk listeners. You might know me from my work over on Force Center. Uh, you might know Alden from his work on Octo Radio, talking Star Wars. Uh, or you might be swinging through, and who's this uh, a-hole in a beanie and the, the young guy next to him? Uh, here, here's, I want to say this up top, because uh, we might have these new ears, Alden. Uh, there's an there's a ecosystem of, of, of House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, pundits, and YouTube channels and podcasts. Uh, I encourage you to check out all of them. I love listening to like History of Westeros. I love uh, Emergency Awesome. Charlie still does great work. Uh, uh, there's the Talk of Thrones. There's a lot of things out there to dive into. And a lot of them will do the frame-by-frame breakdowns, the Easter eggs. A lot of them will be like, hey, this is that thing from the book and the, oh, we hope that is here and this character is that. We have that stuff in us. We're going to talk about some of those things along the way. But we love focusing on, on, on themes here and what these stories are about and what they present to us and what that means to us as an audience, what it means to the story, and how we can carry that forward, even in our own lives. That's why I think people love this stuff, this idea that myth matters. So, Alden, uh, it's one of the reasons you're around these parts. You're, you're really t- tuned into themes, right? And and this trailer, mm-hmm. we're going to get to it, but it got me really excited just on a theme level. Yeah, this sent me, you know, spiraling back into my high school English class mode, where I immediately was like, okay, we're going to talk about this trailer, let's break it down. And I found myself in, you know, even in the email to you, like, here's an idea, supporting quotes, this, that, and that. that's the kind of stuff that really gets me going. And going back early to Game of Thrones, when I was still frustrated, you know, as in high school being like, I don't know the difference between Viserys and Varys. Why did this man make all the names so similar? What I latched onto was the personalities. Yeah. I was like, well, if I, if I, I understand them as people, little details later on, you know, that, that'll help you understand the names. It'll help you understand the locations. That's your eyes in. I watched this trailer you could strip away the dragons and the swords and everything. And mm-hmm. the, the peak family drama is, I think, what got us all so excited. I, that's a great point. I, I wanted to talk about that in the in the, the Hollywood Reporter article. Uh, Ryan Condal and Miguel Sapochnik and any of George R. R. Martin, some other people and, and, some, and some cast members have some great insights into the show and what's coming. But there was this idea of them saying, hey, it's kind of the story of, of uh, a king, a queen, uh, a daughter and a brother. And it's intimate. It's a family drama. It's the biggest family of the land and everything going on will affect the the realm, will affect the Seven Kingdoms and beyond. But that's kind of the approach. And that's not unlike 
Benioff and Weiss and their team going, we got this sprawling epic that's not even done. We got to focus on smaller things, and uh, it might be the war for the throne, but it's about what your uh, pursuits and what your passions and what your desires might do to you and how the land and the world treats you. And it boiled down to smaller character moments and political moments until it got giant and big and and turned into uh, what it always was going to be, a big fantasy fight. So to take it back to your point, I think that's a great starting point. This is a more intimate story. Yeah, the word intimate and the word domestic was thrown around by Emma Darcy uh, when discussing the Rhaenyra storyline and everything. And the the idea that there's going to be, of course, uh, a a plethora of different shared threads between this and the original show, Game of Thrones. But the difference being that Game of Thrones was global, sprawling. It was all of your regions and kingdoms. And it was a lot of things that took varying amounts of time to be connected. Whereas this probably two core locations, your capital and Dragonstone, and maybe we'll branch off depending on what certain, you know, warrior characters are doing like Corliss, maybe Corliss we see around different places, but this feels like let's rein in on exactly what's happening here. We're not going to jump over to another country and check in on the Dothraki because this is about brothers. This is about parents and kids. This is about, decisions, laws, you know, legal decisions uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and the Targaryens, without a doubt, being uh, this giant family that uh, for most of us who who entered this world via the show, uh, even though you know, I became a, a passionate and obsessed book reader after that and all those kind of things, I, I think if, if the show was the entry point for millions upon millions of people, not to say that A Song of Ice and Fire didn't have millions upon millions of readers over the course of uh, time and still will uh, when, when the, uh, the next book comes out. But I, 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 you meet the Targaryens as this uh, destroyed family, uh, something of the history books. And now to go back to the beginning and to, to just focus in on, I guess you could say, from a way, the start of the downfall, um, that might be a stretch, especially if you know some of the history, but this is definitely where a lot of things do start to turn and uh, change the fortunes of the family going forward for generations. So another thing I want to talk to you about in this uh, Hollywood Reporter article, and we're going to get to the truth, although we're not, we haven't gotten the trailer yet. Um, yeah. This uh, idea that uh, I think it was Sapochnik that was saying, it might have been Sapochnik and Condal, and, and even just James, James Hibbard talking about the show, the Civil War itself could be three, four seasons, but that doesn't necessarily mean the show stops there. The House of Dragons, uh, the House Targaryen, I almost said House of Gucci. I apologize, but I am a Gaga fan. So um, <laughs> uh, that that sprawling history goes backward and forwards hundreds of years, and the show might end up, if, if, if the numbers are there and they want to tackle it, House of the Dragon could be uh, the Targaryen history books uh, all in all eras. And I, that actually got me really excited. Same here. I mean, like you said, if the support is there, and I think it's fair to say it's probably going to be there, uh, that that idea of these creators working intimately with Martin and intimately with you know the different members of the production and the cast, if they have an idea, seasons two or three, and they say, hey, this idea we're trying to tackle here would be greatly benefited by showing X, then why not? Because, you know, they've gone on about how Fire and Blood is the unreliable narrator account of those events. It's perspectives being pulled together to give you, the reader, a history. But they are approaching this as definitive history. 
with Martin sort of giving that blessing of, sure, tell your tell your version of what happened. No unreliable narrators required. There's not going to be a maester saying once upon a time when the show right. opens. Right. It's just the events. So if they're showing us an event here with Viserys, and then Viserys starts to think about something that Jaehaerys told him, maybe we see young Jaehaerys, just as an example. Mm. Like, that's the kind of thing that they have the liberty to do. Right. Um, of that nonlinear storytelling. And it, and it excites me. Like I think today there was lots of talk about uh, spinning out of this. Like what if we saw something from the conquest or things right. like that? Like that, that's the kind of stuff that fans have been asking for, for a long time. And there had been sprinkles of it with the, you know, the brand arc yeah. in game of Thrones yeah. of seeing the past. And that always really excited people. Yeah, it, it's potentially exciting. It was something I hadn't expected to to read that that it, that it, they had thought about in those terms, uh, and, and it's great. And and I am a big fan of Fire and Blood Volume One. I, I suggest you all check it out. And maybe at this point, if you haven't read it yet, wait till after this season. I don't know, but you know, spoilers uh, for the series are all afoot. But uh, it's it's fascinating stuff. But I do think the dance of of these dragons is uh, perhaps the most exciting part of that first volume. It makes a lot of sense to start here. Uh, so yeah. But overall, just just dive in. We got a couple calls from uh, our, our wonderful listeners here, Alden. But let's dive into first couple uh, viewings of the trailer and your reaction to it, and and just your general feeling. The trailer, I think, and I said this to you off air. I genuinely feel like this is the trailer of the year. Where if if someone had to ask Ooh. me to describe, I know big big takes. Uh, give it an award. Give it a tomato. Uh, the the whole idea of gloves off is what it felt like with this trailer on a meta level of yeah. we've shown you all this iconography, which is something that I've talked about a lot here on casually talk. And yeah. we've shown you, we've shown you the characters. You haven't seen a lot of dialogue yet. This is the trailer that was, if there was any ambiguity about what this was about, allow us to burn that with dragon fire. We are going to lay out what the conflict is in terms of, familial relations what the conflict is in terms of the realm having quick fire moments for all of your key players that are so perfectly selected uh, what corliss's point of view established right. otto's point of view sort of established allison's point of view and <laughs> machinations yeah. sort of established and if you rattle off that cast and then hand a newbie this trailer yeah they could kind of put together what they're going to get, which is something that I'm amazed by these editors. It's really, really effective. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it was, I'll use this term and I'll try not to overuse it. It was epic. And here's the show gets to start with not just a bigger budget than season one of Game of Thrones back in 2011 by the time we finally see it. Uh, and, you know, the different versions of the pilot, we, of course, know the history there. But it, it's starting, yes, with more money. But it, it's starting with, I think, a little bit more confidence, which doesn't mean that they, they don't think they can, you know, maybe mess it up and do it wrong. I think they took a lot of care along the way. Uh, and, and that's what some of the, the articles this past week from uh, Entertainment Weekly and The Hollywood Reporter are kind of showing. They all understand it. Even that little behind-the-scenes, that three-minute new Rain clip, uh, which mm-hmm. we could have probably done a whole episode on that. All that I texted you, I was like, that has gotten me more excited than the teaser trailers thus far. And and hearing George B. in that George R. R. Martin way, little blunt, little honest about like, hey, 
Condal is a fan of mine, respects my work, and you can read into that as far as you want. <laughs> we also are very wary uh, of, of, we don't want to offend George R. R. Martin, not that he's listening, not that we think he's listening, um, but, uh, you know, he's very bold, uh, very blunt in this Hollywood Reporter, uh, dropping F-bombs around uh, the toxic internet and the podcast that seem to approach mm-hmm. a lot of things with bad faith. So we definitely don't think we do that, but we definitely don't want to. But, I did, they're taking a lot of care of respecting where we were uh, as a fandom, what might have happened to some of the fandom, and where they want to go. And I think this trailer it all kind of boils and, and, and flows down into this trailer, which kind of gives you a roadmap of what's coming. And it's bigger, bolder, a little more confident, uh, despite also being a little more intimate to the actual family drama. Yeah, absolutely. Confidence is, is a key element here. And I feel like it's the kind of element that can only happen when you're the next project um just by sheer virtue of what it is where you go back to season one of game of thrones and i wouldn't say hand-holding in a negative way but there is those those elements of let's put the locations on screen in the pilot and you know let's 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 slowly introduce these roles where here this is a pilot and and a season one that will not have to tell us what otto's job is yeah, we know what the hand of the king is. It's become right. cultural, and and I think a lot of those things that have become cultural, like the hand of the king, like the dragon egg, like the succession, like the way women are treated in Westeros, like lots of the things, big and small, are just here. They're readily accepted parts of what's going on, and even people um, in in the most casual tier, like my mother who watched the show, and I don't think memorized anyone's name that wasn't John. Yeah. Uh, see those white wigs and they know it's business and that sort of confidence will carry you far is she like is the jim ross there going that's 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 the targaryen's music oh 100 yeah (laughs) no absolutely uh i love it and and yeah and look the show if if you don't know uh, who Otto hightower is or the hand of the king the show is obviously going to make sure you're aware but i think you're right Uh, there is, uh, it is, uh, it's, it, it's starting with a little bit of a leg up. And it's also interesting. I, I know I'm a, a, perhaps a bigger sports fan than you are, all than other than we both love sports entertainment and pro wrestling. Uh, I, there's a sports adage of don't replace the legend, be the guy after the guy that replaces the legend. And I hate to say <laughs> it, Blood Moon, all due respect to Jane Goldman and that team, might be the team that tried to, might be the, the, the quarterback that tried to replace the legend. And now uh, the House of the Dragon is like, no, nah, okay, that didn't work. We're here. We got this. We'll take you forward, which is uh, not fair, harsh. But there were some interesting things about Blood Moon in some of these articles this week. And I can get why maybe it wasn't going to work or there was a little bit more fear and less confidence. That is such a great point. And it's it's so hard for, I mean, like, Casually Talk listeners should now drink whenever Star Wars comes up when we're both on because it's Star it's hard Wars, for us to not pro wrestling. <laughs> Or Beatles music, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A- any Anything in rock, whether it's Beatles, Haim, anything that we both like, it's going to come up. It's just a game yeah. at this point. We'll make yeah. a bingo card. By the way, we but, know Alana Haim is watching. This is my friend Alden. True. You should meet him. Hey, Alana. I'll see you over at that <laughs> liquor store that Ken said was important. Circus Liquor. Uh, <laughs> it's not too far from Casually Talk Studios, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, th- this whole idea of, of being the one after that tries, yeah. it's like, I love the Star Wars prequels, but there's no denying that the Star Wars sequels, mm-hmm. comma, and modern era, um, had the leg up of being the ones that did not have to follow 
this uh, yep. cinematic canon that is the first three films. And, yep. and that's, we could talk about that for hours, but it, that's exactly. just the reality. It's very, very, very rare that you get a Better Call Saul where yep. people immediately say, this is just as good, if not better. That just doesn't really happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, w- I want to be clear to to anyone, uh, again, I don't think anyone from the Blood Moon team is listening to Casterly Talk. I don't mean that it's any kind of uh, uh, cynical slight against them that they weren't confident in what they were doing. But you hear mm-hmm. that you, you you read in this article, unless you listen to the article, then you did hear it, which is an option nowadays, which is good. Um, you know, they had five lines of, of history from George R. R. Martin to tell the story of, of the long night. And, and, and I'm just kind of generalizing what I read in that article, but, but you know what I mean? Like, and they had to build the rest out and not that they couldn't have done it if they were given a chance, but that's daunting. And it was hard. And the fact that they won't even, HBO won't even allow George R. R. Martin to see the blood moon pilot tells me that, Hey, something wasn't working and they made a tough, but uh, correct decision for them as a company and content creating company. And failure is liberating, right? Like once you've hit the bottom of we had eight epic seasons and whether people hate or love season eight or somewhere in between, the numbers were extremely successful. It was event television. You're following all of this success. And then your first follow-up pilot out of the gate is considered at least within the office a failure. That sort of mentality, I think can be freeing where at that point they're like, well, Blood Moon didn't work. Wait a second. Now we know what it feels like to have one not work. Yeah, and we can. We've humbled ourselves now. We can shake that off and uh, and approach things with a list of successes and a list of things we didn't do correctly. So we thought. Yeah, and, and again, I I, I I'm going to say this until I'm blue in the face. I, no disrespect to anyone who worked in that show, crew members, anyone who might have been expecting a regular paycheck mm-hmm. and didn't get it. We we we're very mm-hmm. sensitive to that and the business. It's hard, uh, but I think you have to sometimes make these tough decisions. And you're also talking about something I also uh, enjoyed with Miguel Sapochnik, who has said and both uh, been quoted in articles of just like you know we had to look at what worked with Thrones because I'm very very partial to that series and love it. But we also had to work look at what didn't work, and also had to look how to evolve the show which Ryan Condal has some very strong statements about that, which we'll get to when we talk about some of the themes. Uh, and and, and that, that brought me more comfort too. But that's all leading up to my, you know, quick reactions, overall thoughts of the trailer. Really excited, number one. And I want to start there, Alden. Uh, and I know you were too. Just to feel the excitement. Uh, just to put behind any of the discourse about uh, Game, Game of Thrones, season eight, season seven, all that stuff. All, some of it which may be wonderfully valid criticism and, and discourse to have. But to just experience joy... In this world of dragons and swords and 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 in some sandals, uh, it was that was a great starting point to be like, ooh, we got something new. Let's watch it and let's celebrate it. I that was a great way to start my day. Absolutely, it had it had really powerfully uh, cinematic and just thrilling adventure beats. As much as there were machinations, this trailer had more action than I expected. Yeah. Or at least hints of action. Like you don't get to see any full duels, but you get to see yeah. snippets of duels, snippets of battles. Uh, things like Damon saying, "Don't come near me, or you're going to get the pointy end of this." Uh, you know, yeah. to to Otto there. So there's a lot of a lot of that. Like things are about to explode. Really well picked yeah. trailer moments, and and those drums. 
I mean, come on. Ramin Jawadi has never missed. Those drums are got me going. Put a pin in that one there. Right now, we're going to do what we do from time to time here. We're going to send the Ravens. Actually, it's you out there who send the Ravens. We love getting calls via the Anchor app. For the most part, we are a podcast. First, if you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate that. Subscribe, give us a like, spread the word, all those good things as we build out the YouTube side of Casterly Talk. But we are a podcast first and foremost. First and foremost. First and foremost, Alden, I'm so excited about dragons, I can't even say words anymore. Um, But we got some calls coming in here. I want to get to them from uh, some wonderful listeners we have and have been with us since the Daily Thrones days, which is how this podcast started. First call from our friend Eric Monroe. Hey, Ken Casually Talk. So the full House of the Dragon trailer just dropped, and I am blown away. It has far exceeded all my expectations. I am so excited. I can't believe we're almost a month away. I can't wait to fall in love with some of these characters, to hate some of these characters. I'm excited. And then we got Rings of Power coming up right after that. But what I wanted to talk about, I really hope there aren't any episode leaks like with what happened with Game of Thrones. When those first four episodes of season five, you know, got put on got put on the internet, it was a problem. There were spoilers all over the place. It happened in season seven and season eight. So I'm hoping they can keep it a tight lid on this and somehow contain so there aren't any leaks because I really want to experience it as it happens. But I am excited. Uh, great stuff there from Eric, and I agree. Uh, leaks, we don't really enjoy leaks here. Sometimes they can be tantalizingly fun, and you look at them with one eye closed. Uh, and, you know, I quite frankly, I had season seven of Game of Thrones not ruined. Uh, nothing, there's worse things in life to be worried about. But I had some of the thunder taken away by some of the bigger moments because I saw them in leaks that I didn't even intend to see. They just kind of showed up. So, so far, so good. I think the show, Alden, uh, before I toss it to you, has been, uh, some of the creators have been pretty honest about, hey, here's kind of some of the things you might see, especially in terms of where the story starts and time jumps. And I'm okay with that. It's not a leak. It's not a spoiler from the creators. It's just kind of setting mm-hmm. the table of what to expect from the show, uh, which works for me as someone who's familiar with the story. Uh, but thoughts there on, on Eric's call, leaks, and also what Eric said, excitement and characters I'm about to love and characters I'm about to hate. Well, when it comes to the the leaks versus creator teases and stuff, I think there is a shift happening um, where we've seen it over with Tony Gilroy, show running Andor. We've seen it here with Condal and Sapochnik uh, leading uh, House of the Dragon, where I think that there's not a, I wouldn't call it a pushback against the mystery box, love you, Jage, uh, but just the idea of, I think that we've seen the culture shift in a negative way of, well, this isn't what I expected. It's not what I wanted. It's not what they sold me. And I think that people are getting Mm -hmm. tired of that, frankly, Mm -hmm. as they should. I'm tired of it. I can't imagine what it's like to make the thing and then get met with that. So I think there's a healthy amount of, you know what, here's what it is. We're not going to go as far back as like 1970s, 1980s trailers, which were basically just the plots of movies. Uh, but I think that there's a, you know, things happen in cycles. You thought Han Solo was dead. Han Solo's not dead. Here he is in a scene from Return of the Jedi. Watch now. Yeah. The trailer's. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Like Indiana Jones is back in the next adventure and he's with his dad and he's doing this. And it's that that, nowadays we might try to sort of tease Indy's dad. (laughs) Maybe we'll see his father in the next one. Maybe. Uh, now I think we're sort of writing that line again. And so I, I, I support that. I'm for it. In terms of characters, I think this is a great character trailer. Like I said, they had a strong a strong uh, grouping of beats where everybody yeah. sort of got a nice theme statement, a nice point of view statement. Um, I was already a mark for Damon Targaryen mm. on casting alone. Uh, I like the 
a sinister sort of I don't want to say dark prince and like a like a sounding like yeah. um, you know but, but simplifying him down to that because he's yeah. not but it is sort of that heel sort of I am a wild card yeah. uh, type character and and Matt Smith talking and and I don't know what piece it was in because there's been like four articles now right, two right. videos but he talks about how him and and Caraxes, his dragon are sort of one. And how they he has the dragon has his mentality and and he has the dragon's mentality and yeah. so I was already in for him. I'm also extremely excited for both Otto uh, Hightower and Corliss. Yeah. Um, and then as for characters, that I think I'm gonna dislike. I don't think I'm gonna dislike Allison, but I do feel like she's going to frustrate me intentionally because of good writing and good yeah. performances. I think that yeah, I've, I've seen some talk like. Allison Hightower is the new Cersei. I don't think that's accurate, but I do think that in terms of being thrust into a system yeah. that is inherently unkind to her, having to maneuver, uh, I do see sort of what people mean. And so I think she'll be the one that I, while I'm eating my my, my weekend pizza, saying, oh, come on. Like, I think that she'll be that character. Uh, now we know how you watch television. Yeah, I think it was even uh, yeah. Olivia Cook herself who plays Allison, the older Allison, saying like, yeah, I, yeah I've heard so, those comparisons. I love it because Cersei was a favorite character of mine, which just means, yeah, there's an essence there. There's a, a connective yeah. thread to what yeah. you said, a woman in the system. We're going to get to some of the bigger themes. Yeah, as far as- And I, she auditioned with Lena's dialogue, by right, the way. I don't, I right. don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did see that. No, and it connects up. And, and to Eric's point uh, about uh, the excitement of, of oh, I'm about to fall in love with new characters I don't really know yet and I'm about to hate some. I love that. It's my favorite part of like going back to Star Wars, the, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away pops up and there's that pause before the music hits in, in, in a movie yeah. or whatnot, or even a show. I love that moment because you're about to get something entirely new and you're going to have all those feelings again. And, and I, I, that's part of my excitement about this and yeah, exploring it. Uh, those delicious shades of gray that the, the world of ice and fire plays with. Uh, look, I tell you, you know, well, I'm inter interested to see how they present Rhaenyra because she makes some weird choices. I was even talking in, in the Force Center Discord with uh, one of my uh, uh, supporters over there, Douglas, who was like, you know, I, I you know, Rhaenyra sometimes in, in Fire Blood, I was really upset with her. And I, I trust and I hope that that's there. We'll see how they package it up and present it and what the story's doing to the character or what the story's making the character do. But uh, that's an interesting point from Eric. You might start to hate some of these characters and that's part of mm. the fun. I also want to give a quick shout out before we move on to who I think is going to be the most underrated player. Mm. Uh, and that is, yeah, I'm going to say Rhaenys. Some people say Rhaenys, mm. um, uh, Targaryen, uh, Rhaenyra's aunt, yeah. who logically should have preceded Viserys, but because of misogyny and the fact that she's a woman did not, who is sort of the voice in Rhaenyra's, in Rhaenyra's ear, telling her sort of what's what about their role as women. I think that her rightful, quiet bitterness, having previously been robbed, uh, is going to be a factor that a lot of people don't expect in, in a really fun way. Because yeah. she seems to be a really understated older woman. And yeah. our older our older women in this world so far have either been you know, very, 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 um, you know, on the side of good, like Kat. Uh, or, or very you know, exciting, like Elena. Um, but this is this definitely feels like a new sort of archetype. Yeah, can't, I can't wait to get to that. Uh, put a pin in that one too. You're hitting a lot of things. And by the way, I I always say Rainies, which here's the joy mm. about, about Game of Thrones, the World <laughs> of Ice and Fire. Uh, there's people who read the the names and books for years, and then the show comes out, and they're like, huh. 
not how I said it. So I'm always, yeah. always open to different ways to say it. And then I love when you would watch them say Cersei on the show. And then in the director commentaries, uh, Benioff and Weiss would say Cersei, which is also kind of what George R. R. Martin would say. Yet on set, no one really said that. Uh, I absolutely love that. It's the Leah Leia Star Wars quandary all over again. Yep. Uh, one more call here. We're going back to our Ravens down along. Check it in. Hey, Caster Talk. The House of the Dragon trailer just dropped and it looks fantastic to me. I think this is what this show needed exactly. They can not only get the fans talking about it, but get also everybody else who might have been hesitant or might have been, I'm not watching this because it's the season eight backlash or whatever. Like, hey, I might to check this out now. It's really, in this show, it really plays up the portable aspect, which is the, one of the biggest reasons why the original show became such a big hit. was what sh- a lot of people's favorite part of the show. And it, some tell you, I might have lost, but hey, this is back again. But also in this trailer, we get to see dragons for the first time in full force. And they look fantastic. And then CGI, even a couple years later, you can see how technology advanced. Some, some of them are a little smaller than I thought they would be. But also, we get to see a glimpse of Vagar. Look, she looks absolutely massive, and I think that's my quick thoughts. Thanks. 17 dragons in this show. We're going to get to know a lot of dragons, and I do agree with Donald there. Uh, some of the shots, especially the up close, you're like, ah, we, we, the, the, uh, we've got bigger computers. We've traded in Commodore 64s for Max, yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I, I, at the end of the day, love uh, the dragons, particularly in uh, 6, uh, 7, and 8 in Game of Thrones. Shout out to our friend Drogon uh, and company. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Donald's uh, talking about something. I don't think we necessarily want to get in, in, in too in-depth here, Alden. We, we've done this before but yeah there there's uh there's conversation still lingering in the air even though season eight was 2019 but it's a show that elicited a ton of passions and a ton of loyalty and sometimes mm-hmm. uh um you know as patty considine said in an interview i think people built up how that story ends i'm paraphrasing uh and and, and when it didn't exactly hit those beats it, it does naturally kind of create some frustration and now here we are we actually have new content we actually have a new show coming and I think generally there is some excitement of building and brewing. Uh, and maybe the ghosts of the past will eh, maybe not go away forever, but maybe the hauntings will stop for a while. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I agree. Whether it's extreme vitriol or the what I contend is the more frustrating uh, insistence that no one cares, uh, that this was this is gone, it's out of the public consciousness. Um, I am I am as sure as 17 dragons are sure that they can destroy anything, that this is not actually out of the public consciousness. I think we have, we can finally move past that, mm-hmm. um, which was always ironic because in saying that you are contributing to its presence in the consciousness. But yeah. the, the whole idea of, of season eight, having a specter, it's never going to not be there. Right. People are always going to remember it, but it's the Tyrion asked me in 10 years that we've addressed on this show a bunch of times. And I think that we're getting away from it. And I agree with Patty, Patty Considine. I think he's right. And I want a panel with Patty, Peter Dinklage, and Nikolai Kosterwald out to just talk about working on something for a long time and then having people be unfair. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, that's absolutely right there. All right, uh, Alden, let's get uh, into some of our tra- uh, favorite trailer moments. We can kind of run through these here because I really do want to get to the themes, but got some juicy stuff. And I, I, I want I want to hear your list first, but I also got to start with this because you mentioned already the first thing. The first thing that I went, ooh, was the music. 
and mm. a little bit of what sounded like an adaptation, a little adaption, I should say, a little twist on the Game of Thrones theme, a lot of new instrumentation, a lot of great things, and I just kind of went, Raman Jawadi, you are what I've always said you are, a rock star. Music got me, did it get you? Yeah, oh, absolutely got me. Not... Not to be outdone, because I thought that the the Rings of Power trailer using the the Howard Shore Elven yep. motif was was a genius move. Here, very similar strategy of here's a little bit of familiar, and then bam, a bunch of new. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, are they going to give us maybe at Comic Con this whole I you know see here the whole yeah. new theme? I don't know. Yeah. I'm really I'm so anxious about what the new theme is going to be. Yeah, because uh, it's like it, this is this is a a, a god tier. Everyone agrees, one of the greatest show openings of all time. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited about this, the score overall. So that was a yeah. huge first thing. Uh, the, the, the opening intro, the music and the, you know, whatever they present visually is kind of a big Vegas prop bet for me of like how close are they going to keep it to it or what alterations are they going to make? Like, I don't know. Or are they just going to go, hey, we're going a different direction because we're trying to establish a different tone. And I, for me, right. I'm open to anything. But I got to tell you, if it isn't somewhat similar, I don't know if I necessarily need a map and things flying around. I don't know. I don't know. Also say, if it's not somewhat similar, Alden, I might start, I might be like, um, okay, I'll follow you. But I kind of, I just, how much I love that intro. That's how yeah. much I just kind of want it. I want to go back into that world. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I was I was like laying awake in bed the other night, like I wonder if anybody's remixed the Targaryen theme with the main theme, and then I was like, no, I can't look that up because then I'll get my my expectations too high. Yeah, uh, so yeah. who knows what will happen? Love that, but, love that. Well, take me through some of your favorite moments here. What stood out in the trailer? Uh, we'll get to some of the bigger theme discussions, but uh, shots, uh, dialogue. What 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 got you? That small council scene where immediately you can see the, the the four prominent uh male figures at least mm-hmm. of that of that group yeah. with Viserys with Otto Hightower with Corlys uh and then with Damon as the X factor who's not actually sitting there right. um that whole immediately how their personalities perspectives clash how Otto raises the issue like this is really important the matter of your succession mm-hmm. and Viserys is like well this is what I want to do and Corlys is immediately like ah no Mm-hmm. You have an heir. Yeah. It's your brother. That was, and this will also play into our themes conversation, but that was, that. I mean, the small council scenes consistently were some of my favorites in Game of Thrones. So very excited. Yeah, no, I love that. And Corliss uh, and, and Damon having a, a bit of a history, right? Uh, and, and with the, the Stepstones uh, stuff there, uh, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. in the history of it. And and I'm sure some of it, if not all of it, will factor into the show. But to see it kind of on display there and just kind of know going in where some uh, some of the thoughts are when some of the loyalties lie. Great stuff. Yeah, so that, that was a huge moment for me. Uh, and then a lot of the, what are... Action flashes, like I said, like they're not guiding you through a battle. There's no big wonder in this trailer, like it's 1917 or something like that. But you're seeing flashes of all these things, whether it's tournaments, whether it's battles, whether it's people threatening other people. And it all just looks like, I don't want to reduce it to, that looks expensive, but it just looks gorgeous. Like the the choreography and everything here for the show that was poised to be more about the machinations they really did lead with a lot of bold, bombastic sword swinging. Ooh, some bombastic sword swinging indeed. No, love it. And, and, yeah, the, the armor, we've already kind of talked about some of the armor on and off air about it looking just wonderful. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. Other stuff for you? Yeah, I, I got to 
gotta give a shout out to my new favorite uh, uh, non-human character, Caraxes, who is just looks like he loves life. I, I just there's a picture of him where he's just like it's not supposed to be like a dog smile, but. I just looked exactly like my dog Mando when yeah. he smiles. So I had to put them side by side. And I was like, I, this is, this character is for the dog lovers. Yeah. That's exactly who this is. Damon and Caraxes. Uh, I want to write the children's book adaptations of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was so excited to see them. And of course it, it, it invites the conversation of power, but the flashes of Rhaenyra writing hers of Damon yeah. with his, of the feet of other ones, the backs of other ones. I yeah. think it's like, there's going to be, a hell to pay for a lot of people in this show at the hands of these creatures. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're, we got a lot of dragon riders coming our way here. And even Viserys, uh, you know, having uh, once ridden Valerian, who uh, uh, Valerian the Drag Dead, uh, Black Dread, not necessarily uh, going to be live for most of the series, passes away in uh, 94 AC. But uh, that, and, and, and Viserys never rode another dragon. So maybe he'll have flashbacks. Maybe we'll actually get to see the Black Dread, not just in skull form. Uh, but yes, yeah, so many dragons. And I, lo- yeah, I love that. That moment you're talking about for me was that, come on, boy, good old boy, come on, come on, come on. Uh, and as a dog person, I, I can respect a, a, dragon, a dragon person. Yeah. This is going to be, I think, a. Way less, uh, way less of a direwolf intensive show. I'll be shocked yes. if we ever see one again. Yeah. Uh, until until snow, TBA, um, TBD. Yeah. But yeah, I, I this this I so I need something to replace that for me. Uh, yeah. The animal companion uh, was it. an underrated aspect of Game of Thrones. I thought, and yeah. so I'm excited to see that explored more here. Love that, love that. Some for me, then I'll let you finish. If you have any on on your list here, Alden. But uh, little things. Uh, uh, you know, we've heard. Patty Constantine's Viserys in the, some the previous works, the last trailer, uh, the teaser, we, we heard some. But to hear him more just, he has the great dream spe- speech, the, the vision. I love that. Um, love that a lot. But there's just some of those moments where his voice, uh, I described it in my notes here, it's like kind of soft, a little warm. And, and I love that because that's what he's kind of being positioned as going into the show. He's a, he's mm. a good man, but that doesn't necessarily make him a great king. And he might be the heart of this uh, kind of society in a lot of ways. And, and the society doesn't like that soft beating heart, even though there's been, by this point, by the time this show really picks up, 70 years of peace. And I heard it in his voice. Uh, we are used to Joffrey. We're used to the bluster of Robert. We're used to, uh, you know, maybe even the too soft nature of poor Tommen, Cersei and her coldness, all this kind of, even my guy Stannis, not the friendliest of kings uh, and mm-hmm. uh, authority figures, but I just really got the warmth that is there in the heart of Viserys uh, I and, and Patty Constantine's approach to it. And he's already described it. Uh, you know, I just thought of my mother and played it as my mother. And I didn't think of myself as the king. I thought of myself as uh, as a person in this world. Uh, I, I thought that was real present. One of the little details I loved uh, in this teaser, in this full trailer, not the teaser. Yeah, I think you're, you're right about comparatively to what we're used to with these monarchs in this universe and this mythology. He has a tenderness that is going to make People buy into him. We've compared him to Ned Stark before, but I think that the way that Patty is approaching it is with a huge air of just contemplation yeah. and with, you know, with a lot of pressure, but he's handling the pressure in ways that we haven't seen before. And also in ways that are important to illustrate for this family, because there is that lingering question over all of them, the, the saying about their family, about flipping the coin, yeah. uh, about whether or not they're going to be a problem or not. Yeah. And to see one of them that is, a fairly reasonable man um, is an important distinction to make when most people that have come into this via the show 
know them as being mostly terrible yeah. in terms of the ones that have been depicted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. We've been hearing uh, Mad King for years and years and years, and then uh, uh, now we get a different version of there. So I love that there. Uh, we're going to talk about this in the themes here in a, in a bit, but I will I will say uh, getting uh, a little bit more of Alicent and her perspective and her having a big say in that. She's not just a pawn. She's not just the king's uh, wife, uh, a queen who sits on the uh, next to the throne. She has some thoughts. She has some people trying to work around her, maybe with her uh, and against her, certainly, but she has some thoughts on what's going on, some concerns. And Alicent being uh, uh, placed in the center of the story was great to me, as well as, uh, well, I'll say Rainey's until someone wants to say it's something else. Uh, but to see, as you described her earlier, this um, older uh, woman who has already been cast aside in some ways uh, in 92 AC, then again in the Great Council in 101 AC to, you know, be passed over essentially to maybe you count three times in other kind of, you know, if you want to look at some of the other details, just to see her at the center of this story too. Uh, it isn't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Elena is one of my favorite characters, but Elena is powerful, makes some big decisions, just ask Joffrey, uh, but also, you know, is, is is here doing her Olena thing. But to see these two characters centered a little bit more in the story going in and being part of this trailer and saying some really important things uh, was big for me, and I really enjoyed seeing that. Yeah, it helps drive home, I think, what would be probably the, the biggest trailer moment that I would attach to it, which is that final, the beginnings of a showdown, uh, the explosive moment at the end between these former uh, girlhood best friends yeah. uh, that have now become the, the focal points of, of this conflict of these two factions yeah. and how that expo- exploded and Rhaenyra saying, I'm, I might be paraphrasing this and not exactly quoting it, but the, now they see you for what you are yeah. or now they, now they see what, who you are. You really are. Um, yeah, yeah. That was terrifying. I mean, that's the kind of, uh, directly personal, I know you type thing that I think builds out in all of these dynamics. So it's like, the, yes, there's these, these older men, older women, all these people, yeah. but they're all, what they're all fueling is this. It's yeah. this beef. Sorry, I'm laughing because for whatever reason, I jumped to, I think it's Royal Tenenbaums when Gene Hackman is like, I know you, asshole. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I mean, it's, it's the same, yep. but not not the same at all. And it's just, I, I absolutely uh, love that. When he's, I think he's yelling at uh, Owen Wilson as he leaps out the window there. <laughs> there you go, Wes Anderson fans bringing Royal Tenenbaums. No, I love that. And one of my other favorite moments here, uh, and and I, I love Damon among the, the destruction, the battle. And I said, I, could there be some of the Stepstone stuff? in his history. I'm not even concerned about those details. I just love seeing it because it, it almost looks like season seven and eight of Game of Thrones. Like, again, we're pick, we're going, that's big stuff's going to be right here. But that that's a, a, a smaller moment. You touched upon it and it's my last one on my list here. You had the 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 Alicent Rhaenyra as, as youngsters sitting close together. Boom, you fade and, and, and here they are older. I, I don't even want to say present day because the story's going to, you know, go around the, the time, uh, the space time, time continuum a little bit here. Um, but that was really effective. And I think I'm curious because there's there's absolutely casual viewers who are excited for the Dragon Show, excited for more Game of Thrones. And I don't, I'm not saying that to, to, to disparage anyone. They're just like, yay, cool. And it might be confusing of, of, of why am I seeing, you know, Emma, Emma Darcy and then uh, Millie Alcock. Why, there's two performers and it's not easy to get. And I go to even some of the Star Wars stuff uh, around Rogue One, sitting in a press screening and, and a person next to me, Looks at the screen and generous is on the screen and they say, "No, this is the this is the one after last year, right?" And I went, "No, no, no, that's that's oh, not." Yeah. 
And well, like that's not Ray. It's like no, this is a character called Jen Erso, uh, which might be uh, something about the casting choices. Though I love both those performers, but you know what I mean. And and I think the trailer has done all it can do right now to be like young and older. That's what we're getting with these at least these two main characters. Yeah, and I, I can't again. So many so many pieces of coverage. I don't know if it was in the article or the video, but there's that that detail now of this is a mid season time jump. It's a mid-season 10-year time jump. Yep. So hopefully, it, you know, not that it's going to be so perfectly defined and they don't need to spell things out, but the, 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 I think that the audience training, hopefully for, for five episodes of this, will yeah. be accepted um, to then eventually build to this moment, um, to, to this separation and then to this final uh, sort of showdown. Um, it's a tumultuous family. And Allison, you're, you're playing with literal fire and some yeah. in some occasions also uh, appropriately with their blood with their yeah. father and with you know and you're you're you become your best friend's stepmom and it's, yeah. it's a very complicated thing yeah and to be clear uh, allison uh, her, her son Aegon the second uh right is uh, uh you know is essentially going to be very key to some of the stuff going on here even though uh we're not seeing that as uh, features much uh but uh and she also correct me if i'm wrong isn't the the eye patch aemond Eamon One Eye is her son as well. Oh yeah, no, I, I yeah, no, that's a great point. You, you, I believe so, but because he's in the trailer, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, he's in there, sword fighting. Doesn't get anything yeah. to say, but I just wanted to. There's going to be a lot of that who's who as we get into this. It's going to be a lot of that. Uh, and, yeah. and uh, you know, I'm in the process of rereading Fire and Blood uh, and I, I know my way around this world, but I'm also kind of nervously excited to feel a little dumb again, which is okay to be like, I can't, mm-hmm. we've got the Kingsguard. Uh, there's the dude. Which one's Baelish? Like that, that is part of the fun of season one of these type of shows. And if you're out there listening and, and get a little overwhelmed by the names, don't worry. It happens to, to all of us. But yeah, I, I believe you're right about that there. Uh, that's my moments. Any, any moments for you or left on the table or, or should we get onto the themes here? What do you got? Oh, let's jump straight into the themes because that's going to invite uh, some of the moments for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, well, Alden, take it away. Uh, you, you, uh, you really uh, connected to some of these themes. Uh, what, what, are, what are we uh, talking about here? Yeah, so we got three core ideas here that I wanted to hone in on. And the first one that I have here is the choice between duty and what one thinks is actually right, and then all the conflicts therein, Mm -hmm. uh, most of which will connect to family. You go all the way back to Game of Thrones. One of the key discussions is love is the death of duty, question mark. Like, is that actually true? It's a perspective where you can make a lot of arguments for and against. And a lot of that was romantic love that we saw through John and Egret or John and Daenerys, but moving here, it's paternal and brotherly love uh, being explored in different ways. And can Viserys make the choice that he believes is right as a father and a King when all of the laws and some of his most trusted friends are telling him no. And that's going to be a key element. And he says as much quote, I will not be made to choose between me, between my brother and my daughter. Uh, Ron Howard jumps in and says, yes, you will be made to choose between your brother and your daughter. Cut to the narrator. He had to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the first big theme, I think. That we're no, gonna say. It's great. And that goes to that moment. That was one of the specific moments where Viserys is kind of saying it, not in fist slamming down on table, but just like, nah, I don't, I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, but he, the, the, what's being said of this character is a good man, bad king, meaning means he, he, he feels like he should try at least to make everyone happy. And that could be dangerous, uh, especially in a position of uh, leadership. Just ask 
Alistair Thorne. He's got some thoughts on leadership and doing standing by your decisions, whether they be right or wrong. Uh, I love that stuff in season four um, of, of uh, you know, Watchers on the Wall. Uh, I love this. This is a big one. Uh, duty, honor, the concepts of those, concepts behind those, and what those actually are for these characters. And, and Viserys being at the center of this, at least in this season, of what is expected and what he feels in his heart is right and maybe even fair to Rhaenyra, but maybe fair to the kingdom and his family and making a decision and knowing that there's going to be consequences for either decision or either way he goes uh, is, is a fascinating start to this intimate family drama. Absolutely. And, and to see the way that people react to his choices is going to be some of the most compelling stuff. There's only a brief flash of him and Damon talking. Yeah. Uh, when Damon says you already have an heir and there's a, there's a lot of anger behind that, that delivery, a lot of British anger <laughs> in that, in that. So uh, I'm very excited to see how they react. Cause obviously so much of this is about the position it puts, puts Renera in, yeah. but he's putting everyone in a position um, through this choice. And some people will I'm sure acknowledge the goodness, but other people are going to think he's a fool yeah. and that's going to be a huge theme for yeah. sure. Yeah, and 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 in this uh, wild, crazy Targaryen family, where I don't know, some of the bloodlines are too pure. <laughs> um, uh, there's some wonderful questions that pop up of about succession and, and who is next and, and who's mm. who's actually in line, and then some decisions made, and and that's where some of the stuff with with Rainey's comes into play uh, of of who is passed over and why, which might be some of the other themes you're talking about. But again, I love this is kind of centered and centered around a, a choice that Viserys the first is going to have to make. That's big. And that's an important thing. I mean, this is a monarchy that literally could not figure out its own last succession. And that's what yeah. got Viserys into this point. And right. so, and they'll explore that. So it's like, he's already on the ground of we're bad at this by sheer yeah. nature of what our family is and does. If you are watching this and you are not familiar with the source material and you're like, they seem a little close. May I, uh, may I implore you to reach into that feeling and hold on to it? Let me, um, let me, let me do this way. Uh, did you root for Cersei and Jamie just to get it together so those crazy kids could run off into the sunset together? This might be yeah. the show for you. Yeah, this is very pleasing. I think. Uh, <laughs> did this show will did be you for think sure. Danny and John sexing was hot? You might like some <laughs> of the stuff in this show. Or were you like us, Tyrion, at the end of the hallway, like, oh, uh, no. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of- Who's going to oh, tell them? Yeah. Yep. Who's going to tell them? This is a family that doesn't need to be told. They know, <laughs> and they don't they care. Yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. don't care, and they like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, great big starting theme. So, from the yes. giggling giggities, uh, what else have we got? We got more important things, actually. We're going to pivot- Wholly in the other direction of yes. something very serious yes. and sad. Um, the internalized misogyny and sexism will breed conflict, hate, and betrayal. And I put in parentheses, denying women their fair treatment will plague Westeros forever. There's n very little progress has been made on this mm -hmm. in the 300-ish mm -hmm. years um, yeah. uh, to the events of, of Robert Baratheon's reign. Very little progress. Yeah. This entire theme of that's just the way it is. Rainey's Rhaenys, Rhaenys, says a woman would not inherit the Iron Throne because that is the order of things. Mm. She resents what happened to her, but she's accepted it to a certain degree. Um, she's accepted it at least logically. 
if she hasn't emotionally. And that's because that's the way it is. And Rhaenyra asking, do you think the realm will ever accept me? Is yeah. going to be the lingering question until questions become swords. We stop asking yeah. and we start telling. And that's going to be the huge uh, breaking point. This this is perhaps, and, and you know, I... I, I I don't have the flexibility to pat myself on the back at all, but, we, but we've been talking about this a little bit on Casually Talk of what's been present in interviews, what's been present in the teaser trailers about uh, uh, the women of this world, uh, gender roles in this world, and, 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 and how this show might deal with them. And I think we're getting strong, not I mean, confirmation, we're just getting uh, told this is at the center of the story. And I think it's very valuable. It's part of the evolution of this series. You and I have been talking on air and off. Uh, Game of Thrones started in 2011, developed a lot earlier. Benioff and Weiss uh, and their team sometimes made some questionable decisions that years ago would have just been like, yeah, this is just, uh, this is what it is. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a rape scene and that's brutal and it's real and we're depicting that. And the expectations of the audience has changed over the last few years that not that they don't want to face those harsh realities, uh, deal with them, or even perhaps learn from them, from them, but they need to be handled in a different way. And you got Ryan mm-hmm. Condal and Miguel Sapochnik saying, yeah, we got that and we want to do that. Uh, there's a big, important conversation around uh, gender roles in this world. Emma Darcy has already said uh, they identify as non-binary and that makes them, I think, the perfect person to play this character of Renera, uh, who finds herself in this world with uh, Damon, uh, her uncle, being treated different and having certain freedoms and how she associates that with masculinity, but also knows she's in this other world and uh, even Rainey's the, the queen that, that never was uh, dealing with that kind of stuff. Uh, going back to Renera, the realm's delight and, and how that is a, a passive position we talked about in the last episode, mm-hmm. just to be ogled and, and and so to approach that head on, and, and this is in that Hollywood Reporter article by uh, uh, James uh, Hibbard, and, and I think Carrie, uh, I think his name's Carrie or Casey Blows uh, of HBO, saying shows are a product of their time, and there's a lot more awareness now about what we're portraying and why, and who's having the conversations about it. When shaping the first season, now just to the article, the showrunners realized a theme was coming into focus, one they hadn't expected. The patriarchy would rather destroy itself than see a woman on the throne. We've already seen that in some of the promotional material. It wasn't mm-hmm. something where we said, we must take, uh, we must make the show about this, Sapochnik says, but rather it was something we, where we realized uh, that this is what we ha- that's what we had in front of us, that it wasn't mm-hmm. something they needed to do that was the story, uh, and they needed to take that head on. And and I'll end my rant here, if this is even considered a rant, Alden. Um, this the fact that we're going to deal with it now, and two hundred years later, this dumb realm doesn't get it, and that affects Cersei, that affects uh, Daenerys, that affects uh, Sansa, or every one of those characters who are centered in that story. Uh, as clunky as some of the beats are in, in that show, and I admit some of them are very clunky and of a different time, I'm excited to really have this theme just be front and center and perhaps even slap some people across the face until they get it. I could not agree more. If that's a rant, then I want it printed on a shirt. Um, it's 100% true. I, I'm I'm okay like you are with it slapping people across the head because it needs to and because the character's are going to be slapped across the head as well. Like that's what, that's part of the conflict of, of the dance is, is these ideas exploding to the forefront, whether the society learns it or not. We know they don't, at least not all of them, large majorities of them, um, or else we wouldn't be having the problems we have during, uh, you know, the war, of the, you know, war of the yeah. five Kings and all that. But the, the whole idea of 
what you touched on of the right performer, Emma Darcy being a non-binary performer in 2022, playing this character in the video with Matt Smith, they talked about their own fascination with the ideas of masculinity and how they like to unpack this gender stuff and these gender roles and these different ideas. You could not apply that to a more perfect character. This casting, um, obviously, I don't think they set that set out for that. We, we've heard about the audition process was a standard audition process for the most part, I mean, on a yeah. high pressure level. But the fact that it worked out that way, um, I, I mean, it, it's not, I'm not comparing the issues. I want that to be very clear when I say this, but it's not dissimilar to Peter Dinklage playing Tyrion. It's like, oh, how do we convey this experience? Oh, you live this experience. Mm-hmm. You've lived being looked down upon and underestimated and made fun of and X, Y, Z things that he's experienced in his life, um, that Tyrion experiences in his life too. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that here, I think, a similar parallel of this person can own this role and really convey these ideas and being our our lead, mm-hmm. one of our core leads. It's yeah. it's there's a level of thoughtfulness here. And for them to say, we didn't assign the story. The story was there. Yeah. Um, is yeah. a, a very baller statement, but B uh, it's, it's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to Emma Darcy to hear some of their comments uh, about uh, the gender roles and everything. It wasn't all, I don't want to, I want to make sure I phrase this right. It wasn't all, I didn't take it all negative from them. It was also just part of, who I am and my identity, my journey and, and, and seeing some of the roles and associated with things and growing up with certain things and, and finding myself in that. I, I, and I think Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra just immediately being this, this lady of the court, uh, the realm's delight. And then, uh, you know, you could be queen, but maybe not. And you got Damon, he's, he can go do whatever the hell he wants. You can't, I think it's just, it, there's a lot of uh, interesting things that could come to this lessons. Um, painful things and again to tie it to i don't necessarily think this show is here to go to danny's story but i i I look at her arriving in season seven i look at her in early season eight and going i'm here fuck no one no one cares and they affect they all hate me that i'm here for many reasons and one of them is you got golden boy john here and and i'm generalizing i know that entire uh, last couple years but i think that's part of the pain that's in that story part of the tragedy and i think this show's going to dig into that a little bit more and i think that's going to be valuable oh absolutely i mean think about everybody like you listed some of them think about everybody that pays because these lessons are not learned uh whether it's daenerys whether it's cersei uh, even even smaller players, Marcella, poor Marcella, just gets sent off. Uh, and yes, she ended up really liking her betrothed, but like still on principle, yeah. Yeah. like she's used yeah. in this in this yeah. in this uh, political Bri- move. Yeah, like, Brianna Tarth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everyone, everyone pays because this realm, yeah. this society, uh, couldn't get it together. I mean, that's why. Like by the time the Game of Thrones ends and, and Samwell is proposing democracy, it's like we're not even ready for that. We're not even ready for that. We we can't. We do not learn here. Yeah, and, and to go into your theme a little bit more. This again, this great uh, THR uh, article. I really enjoyed it. Two parter. Uh, uh, Olivia Cook puts it. There are times where Emma is on uh, stage and I'm on the other, and we're both surrounded by male characters being idiotic. And we know if all these men just fucked off, and it was just us two, the realm would be fine. It's the meddling and the peacocking and the egos that completely muddy everything. And that's her talking about two characters once close 
torn apart, uh, not only by their actions, but the world around them and the world they're mm -hmm. asked to function in. I think that's important. There's also some wonderful stuff about uh, childbirth and the inherent dangers in uh, this time period and in the real world history that this is based off and even in our present day. So I'll just say this, Alden, and I'll kick it back to you because this is your theme conversation here. I, this show... I got to tell you, I, I'm bracing for what might be a little bit of impact of some people wanting to see dude swing swords, and you're going to get that, but you're going to get a lot more, and I'm, we'll see how the conversation uh, explodes around that. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I can already, uh, I can already see the thumbnails. Uh, it, and, and you know what? Good, because at that point, uh, it, it, sometimes you got to piss off the, the, the right people, and which, I agree. I, which I think that... Condal and Sapochnik are both keenly aware of. Like they said, the theme was there, which is something that you and I say about themes a lot. Uh, you, you say it over on Four Center with Joseph and Jennifer. I say it on Octa Radio. Like, I am not reaching. I resent being told that I am reaching. And I think that Sapochnik and Condal hit on it here too. Where it's like, we were given this text and this mythology. And what was sitting there in the text with a neon sign saying, hello, I am the theme. It was uh, misogyny and the hatred of women. Yeah. And and that's that's something that I think is um, or, or even if someone in this story doesn't hate women, they definitely regard them as a second class citizen because it's just yeah. the way it is. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, even your best guys, even your Ned Starks, he still didn't believe that Arya could become what she did. Yep. He still never saw that. He indulged her and yep. that, you know, that and that was considered to be great and radical and kind of weird. Yeah. You know, that he indulged her in the way that he did. Um, so I, I, I think that this is going to play in, in a very 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 timely way yeah and, and look and, and i want to acknowledge too we understand right now we're two men talking about this uh, on this show don't worry casually talk has uh, a lot of uh, people that we worked before and we'll work with again and more names and and more faces and more voices it's important to us here but for the most part alden and i are going to be here holding down the fort but uh, we just want to acknowledge that and, and and know that we will always make room at the table but i i just i just know i just know uh, like you said, it's going to piss off the right people, but it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, uh, who this outs in terms of fans. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a really, really, really fun fall, Ken, because you've got House of the Dragon taking gender issues head on. You've got Andor talking about the slow creep of fascism as a man of color tries to take them down. And then you've got uh, Lord of the Rings uh, bringing in characters of color in multiple different races. They got elves of color, dwarves of color. It's going to be a fun fall, for <laughs> it's sure. It's a fun fall <laughs> in social issue discourse. But we're here. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, you know, we're we here to talk about what's on screen. We're here to talk about that. It's not the real world doesn't necessarily, uh, isn't always going to find its way into the Cassidy Talk conversations. But it's always going to be present in some form. And I don't have a problem saying here's where Cassidy Talk stands on mm -hmm. uh, these big issues, these big conversations. It's a giant theme. I can't wait to see it explored. Uh, final theme, if uh, unless you have any final points on that one, of course, sir. No, we're going to move into what I call the classic. Uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. You've heard this a hundred times. Yeah. You've heard it in your American history classes, your world history classes, your literature classes. And that's twofold here. I put both in terms of literal dragon fire and the influence of the throne, parentheses, this family being so consistently untouchable is bad for everyone. Yeah. Viserys having a moment of contemplation here, as he's known to do. They're a power man should never have trifled with in terms of the dragons. And then Alicent, if Rhaenyra comes into power, she can cut off any challenge to her succession. That tells us through literal fantasy powers of the, the harnessing of these giant creatures and through the rule of law, yeah. this is an untouchable 
unchallengeable, uh, unfettered, unadulterated dynasty. Like they literally cannot yeah. be defeated. They had a stranglehold from the conquest all the way to Robert's Rebellion for this reason. Yeah. And the fact that their their size, their power and everything is starting to inherently corrupt them. And like you said, is this the beginning of the end? No, but it is sort of like, oh, there's chinks in the armor here. And it's because of hubris. It's because of power. It's because of relying on things that you should not have been relying on. Uh, through destruction. I mean, we, Game of Thrones makes that point of should you just be the queen of the ashes? Like, just because you have the means to do this so easily, it doesn't mean that you should. And then even bringing that down to the political level of if Rhaenyra comes into power, there won't be legitimate challenges because she can just cut off any legitimate challenges. There are no conversations yeah. when the person who is the subject of the law gets to make the law. And they get to make that through political maneuvering and through the fact that if that doesn't work, we'll just burn you. <laughs> Which is ashes, just ashes. Yeah, the, the, the threat of the dragons is going to hang over a lot of it. Uh, this is a great theme, and it's something so central to the world of ice and fire. It's what probably inspired uh, George to write so much of it, the real world histories, and then this uh, almost call and response to Tolkien's world, which is different. It, that's a different kind of myth, different kind of journey, good versus evil. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful world that we love so much. Why we'll be talking about Rings of Power, not that it's all roses and, and fireworks over there, uh, but I love that going to, to it's one of those core statements of of Martin, you don't get to hear about or Aragorn's tax policies. To me, that just means there's a reality behind uh, these kingdoms that I want to explore, the dangers, the power. Uh, and, you know, Game of Thrones, uh, the Song of Ice and Fire being so much about the big ruling class, the families, those in power, those scrambling for power. And all along the way, the small folk all are being trampled underfoot. I, I think of uh, what, what's George's quote of, you know, the, the, the small folk don't care about uh the people don't care about anything, yeah. long summers. Yeah. And, you know, George's my guy, but I forgot the quote to this. I didn't write everything down in my life. I'm a, it's been a while. It's not tattooed been, on my forearm. It's um, been years. It's been a while. But you know what I mean? And 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 I w I'm curious to see how far this show will go. It is an intimate family drama. We're being told that. But we know that intimate family drama affects the realm, like we said up mm -hmm. top. And there's, without getting to spoilers, there's some there's some beats in this, this section of the fire and blood history where... The, the little folks around the land, the small folks down in Flea Bottom are affected and they're tired of being affected. And, and I'm curious to see how, how low the show will go into those uh, parts of this realm uh, as, as the, the, the upper class fights over uh, this silly little throne. I'm curious to see, uh, and I love the quotes you pulled. It goes to um, Viserys, just with Viserys saying that, they're a power man should never have trifled with. Again, going to a, a warmth and maybe a reason, a sense of reason in his voice and in his being, where, again, we know he's going he's to make a decision that probably is like, hey, if you were to all stand by it, this might work out for you. But even if you have someone like Allison, as well-meaning as she might be, going, ooh, what if that happens? This could happen. And that breeds some fear. And we know what fear leads based on a Space Wizard franchise. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. we, we love celebrating. We know what fear leads to, and you make decisions out of fear, uh, make decisions out of fear of losing your power, bad things can happen. And you I think you're absolutely right. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And we're about to see a lot of people corrupted. 100%. And fear, ironically, is so key to a lot of what uh, the Targaryens do. 
historically, all you know, going all the way back and all the way forward, th- the fact that they feel the need to keep their bloodline pure, banjo music intensifies, uh, is is really is really indicative of a of a fear yeah. that if we were to not just be us all the time. It's only us. Everyone else is the problem. Let's keep it pure, yeah. pure, pure. Uh, dragons, dragons, dragons. Uh, we'll, uh, they have a problem. Just burn them. Like they are a reactionary beast, much like the dragons that they ride. Uh, they are problematic in the fact that they do not see um, togetherness as a strength. They see a monolithic approach to everything as the only way. That's their strength. You know, they are the best offense type people. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's, that's not, that's not necessarily the case in the show. The show prior Game of Thrones sort of makes the case that togetherness uh, is the way, you know, it doesn't always end up perfect. I mean, it was, it was a very bittersweet, somewhat tragic ending to that saga, but you look at John and John is literally put to death for his ability to see the value in those that are disregarded and overlooked and were not considered part of the fold, the Targaryens are all about keeping that fold as exclusive as possible because that's how they concentrate power. It's, and yeah, that's the problem. It's a big political uh, idea here. This idea, and you mentioned Jon Snow, this is someone who was uh, raised with a, a view, a somewhat considered honorable view of we're here to fight the others. And not, I'm not talking about the, the, the whites or the white walkers. We're here to fight, uh, uh, keep the realm safe from the great others. And then he dies defending uh, the rights and safety uh, of those others, uh, the, the free folk, and, and, and that being uh, this connective thread you're talking about. I, I love that. That's big things at play here. And, and absolutely, the Targaryens are that group of people who are like, we're invincible. We got dragons. We're the badasses of the realm. Everyone's trying to take it. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. There's super <laughs> a lot of parallels we can make that I'm going to refrain from making. But it's it's definitely like a, we are the best. Everything is gold and great and awesome. And, and look at our armor. It's so great. And then we don't get a lick of sleep at night because we're worried about the fact that I have to keep my bloodline pure. I have to make sure everybody loves me and they don't love me. And it's yeah. peak insecurity. I mean, you've, you've mentioned this on Force Center about like, I think I sent in a question once actually of like, what, what, be still self-serving. I'm going to reference my own question. Like, what what do you think Palpatine is like in private? Yeah. And you and Joseph both said he's probably just constantly living in fear. Yeah. Like he's not like weeping, mm-hmm. but he's a, he's a, a really paranoid creature. And I think that House Targaryen overall yeah. is that really paranoid creature. It is. It is. And, and that's what I'm curious to see how, how fearful Viserys is or, uh, uh, this this vision, this dream that opens up this trailer, which is of a uh, united and connected world and perhaps family. Uh, the dragon's all uh, flying at once or whatever he says there. It's great stuff. Love it. Uh, I love what it means, and I can't wait to see what all factors in. Any final thoughts on that? Or uh, if not, we'll start wrapping up the show because you and I could talk about these themes for a very long time. Yeah, we in all actuality, we could just talk about this until the show comes out. So we do have to call it at some point, or else we're going to be here doing a, a marathon stream. But <laughs> the rest, yeah, I the, mean, the rest in the ring say, "Boys, take it home." Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> pull the finish early. It's time to get out of here. Um, everyone in the back is mad at you. Yeah, no, I, I think that yeah, it's definitely definitely a packed trailer. Um, again, we're not like you said up top. We're not the frame by frame program, but. 
there's so much to unpack and, and every little detail. I mean, we haven't even talked about the really filmmaking, uh, filmmaking stuff, the, the set design, seeing certain locations, what King's Landing looks like. So much beauty, so much power. Uh, I just can't wait. Yeah, I got, I got a million things I could say, but at the end of that theme conversation, it's like this show. I've never felt better about it. Uh, I'm really excited, really confident myself. And I got to tell you, as a, as, as, a, as a diehard Game of Thrones fan and Song of Ice and Fire fan, but a diehard Game of Thrones fan, uh, you know, the idea of spinning this off into many different shows, uh, I'm nervous. Can they, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to recapture something they can't? Trying to recapture something they shouldn't try to, to recapture? Uh, and then, you know, the, the Blood Moon situation, which, again, I'd still be curious to see that pilot. Whether George can see it or not, I'd like to see it. Uh, but here we are, this first big trailer. We've gotten a lot of great things so far, but this one uh, is the longest uh, I've spent in this world so far, right? This this time period, 200 years ago, and I'm really excited, along with these great interviews. And you talk about the sets, final thought for me. Patty Gonsonine talks about in the THR uh, report about, they just essentially built uh, uh, the Red Keep. They essentially built King's Landing. Like, there's, the, the set has multiple rooms you can walk into and get your shots. Uh, that's impressive. Uh, I, I love and respect the technologies that are in a lot of shows, the volumes, the whatnots, which, by the way, mm-hmm. this show has some LED uh, volume-type sets. They're mm-hmm. uh, vid- virtual sets, but that this main set, the throne and everything, is very, very real in a lot of ways. That makes yeah. me excited. And that's, that's really fun too. Like not to make it a whole other conversation, but what you said there about the set being built, like, yes, it's the red keep we knew, but the fact that it's years later with a lot more money and a different era with some digital, it's, it's the difference between Harrison Ford's millennium Falcon and Alden's millennium Falcon, where in solo, we got to see that ramp shot that we never saw before. And I'm excited to see like maybe we'll finally see that hallway to the left of the throne yeah. that definitely goes to the small council chamber, but we never see anyone yeah. go in it. You know, yeah. these people coming out of it. Yeah. It's like, I, that, that's the stuff that I'm going to be like, Ooh, the hallway. Like I'm excited <laughs> for that stuff. Look, you're talking to someone who anytime he sees a map of Jabba's palace is like, Oh, I like what he's done with that room. Oh, that antechamber is great. So I absolutely love yeah. that kind of stuff. You too. play battlefront two for the scenery, not, I do. not to win. I do. And we love that. And we're going to be talking about all about that. Uh, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. I love dude swinging swords, but I love all the themes behind it. I love the why of these shows. That's what makes them last forever in our hearts. And we're excited to get to it. Exciting day. A lot more coming. At the time of this recording, we still got Comic-Con on the way. More news might come out of that. Next week, we're thinking of doing all that. If you're still good, we're going to do a live episode of Catchly Talk on YouTube. We'll release it later on the podcast side. Take your questions. You can jump into the chat. We'll have a lot of fun. So if you're not uh, subscribed to the YouTube channel and you maybe just listen to the podcast side, go over, head to Catchly Talk on YouTube, give us a sub and join that party. But you will get to hear that episode as a podcast as well. So I think we're good. Alden, before we get out of here, thanks as always. Appreciate your work here on the themes particularly. Tell them where they can find you and listen to your uh, Star Wars talk and other cool things. Yeah, you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z. And then Octo Radio Star Wars Podcast. That's all three of the shows on that network. One of them is all about Rebels. That's ongoing. One of them is more seasonal. And then the main show, uh, Octo Radio, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. We just released a special crossover with the Nerd Academy podcast. Um, That's pretty heavy. It's not like a fun thing to promote, but doing a huge unpacking of a lot of the uh, radicalization and sort of bullying and dark side of some online fandoms and stuff. So if you're a person that like 
I would say if you like true crime and you're also a nerd, you could find some some love in there uh, on a project that we just put out. And then, yeah, doing one and done film club and some other stuff, uh, hopefully that I can announce soon. And then hanging out here uh, as soon on our Comic-Con live stream. Come back. Maybe there'll be like mozzarella sticks or something. I don't know. Absolutely. Great stuff. Looking forward to listening to that podcast series myself. You should probably leave room for the House of the Dragon story in that uh, fandom conversation <laughs> you're having. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm Ken Napsack. A lot of you might know who I am. If you don't, give me a follow on Twitter, Instagram. If you'd like, go to my website, check out things like my book, Why We Love Star Wars, or stand-up comedy dates coming your way. Uh, you can uh, follow us here, Cast Talk, on Facebook. Uh, for the show on Twitter, you can go to M Drive Media, Morning Drive Media. Uh, you know, maybe one day we'll form an actual Twitter or Instagram page, but you know how many social accounts I have to run? Not yet. Maybe I'll make Alden. He's the youngster around here. He could start a TikTok and we could do Game of Thrones dances. Uh, and also, if you want, there's uh, you can support the show with a QR code here or make a PayPal donation to Morning Drive Media if you'd like to support the show in that way. But as always, I say, just tell friends about the show. Give us a listen. That's the best way to support. We'll see you next time, my friends, here on Casterly Talk. Casterly Talk.